0: Welcome back to a brand new season of the Sports Skinny. As always, I'm your host, Samara Rosenfeld. I'm joined today with my partner, Andrew Heller. We took winter break early. Basketball was, was done. Baseball was done. The only thing we really had was football, some Premier League soccer, stuff like that. We took a break early and we are back to provide you with all things sports We have today a great lineup of stuff to talk about. We're talking Mets free agents. They just signed James McCann today on Saturday. Very excited about that. We'll dig a little bit deeper into who he is. Some other offseason targets for the Mets. We have Celtics and 76ers offseason acquisitions. Basketball, it ended almost 80 days ago. We're right back. I'm very excited. One of my favorite sports to watch on TV. One of my favorite sports to bet on. And then as always, we'll finish up the show with our NFL picks of the week. Andrew, how's your break been?
1: It's been pretty good. Uh, I've, Profited pretty well off of college football. Coastal Carolina has been a huge winner for me. Been riding that horse every single week. The win against BYU was huge. And I'm in a good place right now. I'm excited for basketball to come back. I got giddy looking at the preseason odds yesterday. You know, that's always fun seeing how the, the rookies and everything do. and Maybe hammer some overs. So I'm really glad to be back.
0: Were you able to bet on, on, on the preseason games? Because I couldn't find it on DraftKings.
1: Oh, well, if you're in Pennsylvania... Foxbet does have preseason odds. Wow! A,
0: I wonder if Foxbet has it in New Jersey too. I'm sure they do. I just didn't think to even check Foxbets.
1: Yeah, I'm just, more of
0: a DraftKings person myself.
1: Yeah, I, I love DraftKings too. I just I gotta stay away from those casino games. I'll lose all the profits in 20 minutes if I play those casino games. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, better. I feel you there. I um unfortunately. You know I'm big on, on betting on black and mm. roulette. I, I always bet on black. So black came up a couple of times in a row. I'm like, it's got to be red next. It's got to be red. It's been black four or five times in a row. It's going to be red. Double zero. I bet my whole bankroll on, on red and it was double zero. And I haven't played a casino game since.
1: That is the worst beat in gambling. There is nothing worse than a double zero or I mean, even a single zero, any of the zeros. And if you bet on zero, that's a violation.
0: Well, when people are playing the numbers, I feel like they usually throw something on zero and double zero.
1: I mean, that's smart. Because You're
0: just throwing like ones on there.
1: Yeah, I can see the logic behind it. But it's also just like, you know, you're going to screw everyone else over who didn't you know, if you're playing the outside, you're screwing them over.
0: Yeah, but it's not. But r- unlike blackjack, roulette isn't a team game. Like, it's every man for themselves, and you really aren't screwing people over. You're just like that guy who, of course, had green when everyone else had black or red.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a mojo thing, a juju thing. Bad gambling karma, I say.
0: Yeah, but I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it feels really good when you are that guy who did put it on zero or double zero.
1: Oh it's probably the best high in the world.
0: <laughs> Maybe one day when we get back to the casino I'll 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 spray some on the on the green.
1: Not for me. can Can't just can't do it. Can't it's crawl out of your it, life. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. Well, let's let's dive into it. News broke today very exciting. The Mets finally reached an agreement with free-agent catcher James McCann, originally from the Chicago White Sox. This is a big deal. Catcher is one of the positions that the Mets have really been needing for, for years. You know, you, you think of Mets catchers and who comes to mind it's Gary Carter and it's Mike Piazza. Then I guess Paula Duca. We haven't had a good catcher since Paula Duca and he's been retired for years. So, you know, we had guys like Tolley and even Wilson Ramos, Renee Rivera Travis Darno, who was a bus on the Mets, but of course decided to pick up his game when he went to the Rays and now with the Braves. But we've been struggling in that position for a long time. So this is, again, a long time coming. A little bit about McCann. He is great offensively and defensively. Behind the plate, he's known to be an excellent framer. He's in the 88th percentile in that category. He's quick. He has a strong arm. He has a 35.88% caught stealing percentage, which is big. Wilson Ramos was very slow behind the plate. He would hardly catch people stealing. And offensively, he brings he brings a strong bat. I mean, he was named an All-Star in 2019. When he went in the first half, he was batting 316. In that whole season, he had 18 home runs, 60 RBIs. He started off his career pretty slow, and he was non-tendered, but when he was with the White Sox the last few years, he's been playing great. Last season in the, what was it, 51, 52 games, however long that season was, he had seven homers, and he was batting 289 with an 896 on-base plus slugging percentage, a 144 OPS plus, plus. and over his career, I mean, 65 home runs, Batting average isn't the best at 249, but again, it's because he had a slow start to his career. So, I mean, this is, this is a big deal for the Mets. It's a great signing, four-year deal, a little bit more than $40 million. It was first reported by MLB Network insider John Heyman. I got super excited. I had something already written up for Guy New York Sports because it was anticipated that this would happen it was just a matter of when i think the big deal is that we were able to save a lot of money because the mets were initially linked to jt real muto of the phillies mm-hmm. and he was demanding like 200 plus million dollars for a deal oh yeah and you know catchers Catchers don't play to be that old, and he probably wanted to sign, what, like seven years? He probably wanted a long-term contract for Mm -hmm. that amount of money, and I don't think it's worth the investment to to pay that much for a catcher, especially, you know, once they start getting a little bit older, they're a little bit slower behind the plate, their knees get weaker. It's just not a, again, it's not a good long-term investment, so I'm happy with this. McCann is only 30 years old, so he's still a young guy in the brightest part of his career. So we'll see what he can do. I'm really excited. It looks like the Mets aren't done making moves, though. So we got McCann, and we had already signed Trevor May, right-hand pitcher from the Minnesota Twins, who is really good at stranding people on base. He has a low walk rate, so that's great to add with Degrom. It could be a little one-two punch, and we have Marcus Marcus Stroman. I almost said Marcus Smart. My mind's on basketball so much. We uh, Marcus Stroman agreed to his qualifying offer with the Mets, so he'll be back. I think that was eighteen point nine million. But the Mets are Mets are engaged, as as the reporters are saying, engaged with outfielder George Springer of the Houston Astros. You know George Springer, Springer Dinger.
1: Yeah. 2017 World Series MVP. Uh huh.
0: Two time Silver Slugger winner, three time All Star. And of course, he was the World Series. He was a champion with that 2017 team. He's, he's, this is, this is another big one because as much as we need pitching and a catcher, which we already have, now Brandon Nimmo is our typical center fielder and he's just not a center fielder. He's historically better in left field, and George Springer is better in center field. So I have a couple of stats. Despite Springer costing the Astros five runs in 2018, and that's per fan graphs, he saved six runs in 2017, seven runs in 2019, and six runs in 2020. On the other side of things, Brandon Nimmo has never had more than two runs saved in a season while playing in any outfield position, and he's played all of them as well. Wow. And as a center fielder, Nimo has costed at least three runs per season since 2017, resulting in 14 defensive runs scored over the four seasons. Defensively, it's a huge step up. And then offensively, what would happen is Brandon Nimmo would shift over and play left field. Michael Conforta would stay in right field, and you would have Springer play center field. Mm-hmm. Then you're adding his bat. He slashed 270. 361 and 491 with 174 home runs over his career in 51 games in 2020 he slashed 265 359 and 540 with an 899 OPS 14 home runs and 32 RBIs throughout his tenure in baseball he well in the MLB he's only had an OPS lower than 800 over a season one time so you're adding a bat and you're adding a glove, which is extremely important. You see Brandon M.O. traipsing out there and it looks like he's not comfortable even though he claims he is and that he's been working to really perfect his craft in, in center field. I don't really see it. Shift him over to left field, sign Springer, let him play center. It would just make, defensively, it's very important that, that we get this thing done. And it looks like they're close. Uh, you know, I can't say when it's going to be. Free agency is very fickle. They thought that the McCann deal was going to get done on Tuesday or Wednesday. It's Saturday. It got done. So things are heating up, but you never know. There's also Trevor Bauer. Don't know where he's going to land, but it would be another great addition to the Mets starting rotation. We'll see what happens. He's been toying around with a bunch of teams. So... It would be interesting to have a guy like him with his – he has a very exuberant personality. It's all a waiting game at this point. As a Mets fan, it's exciting to just be in the mix. Because Absolutely. historically, the Wilpons were not spending a lot in free agency, and we weren't linked to all of these high-profile players. Now with Uncle Stevie, Steve Cohen, we are – we're in the mix. People want to play for him. People want to come to Queens. And that's a big deal in and it of itself. It's an exciting time to be a Mets fan.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say congratulations on the new ownership group. And uh, it is a scary time to be a Phillies fan. Hearing all those big names that you just talked about. Uh, it, you know, if the Mets got the money, maybe. I mean, I could definitely see Springer going there. That would be huge. And the Phillies are basically in a rebuild mold, mode. So I don't think they're going to resign Real Muto. we have no pitching. The Mets could be poised for a big run in the East this year, I think, if they make all these, you know, huge acquisitions that you're talking about. It would be a nice team.
0: It would be a very nice team. And, and you know, on paper, the Mets were a good team last year, but the pieces just didn't fit together. You had Cespedes who opted out, Stroman opted out cinder guard got hurt the bullpen was a disaster
1: yeah i mean we know how important the bullpen is both of our teams you know seeing the collapses so it's great that they actually did something to help their bullpen exciting time to be a mets fan how often do you get to say that
0: you don't <laughs> you simply don't get to say it
1: okay so imagine let's say springer comes to the mets right over under how many times you tweet springer dinger
0: Oh, so many times. 30. And you know what?
1: Over 50? Well, yeah. I guess you'd have to hit 50 home runs. You would have to hit I, I yeah. yeah, right.
0: <laughs> I would say probably at least 25.
1: Oh, nice. In a full okay. season. Oh, yeah.
0: He has 174 career home runs. He hit 14 in the short season last year. So he's like right. a 30 home run kind of guy at
1: least. Yeah, I wonder what his over-under will be. I could bet on it.
0: You can definitely bet on it. But it's again, it's exciting to be a Mets fan right now. I never thought that I would be able to say that. but here I am saying it. We have a nice shot. I mean, Steve Cohen said that it would be a failure and a disappointment if the Mets didn't win a World Series in three to five years. I can wait three to five years. Uh, yeah, we this long.
1: We waited a long time already. What's about a three to five? <laughs>
0: some other teams are looking different this year. The Celtics and the 76ers have made some offseason moves as well. Sure. So Dwight Howard, Seth, Seth Curry, Danny Green. T- tell me a little bit about, about your thoughts on these these moves.
1: I love these moves. I mean, you said it was how many days since the NBA? 80? It had
0: to have been almost 80.
1: Like 80 days? I think the Sixers may have had the best 80 days during that time. Not only are we linked to James Harden rumors now, which is pretty exciting. I don't know if we'll get him, but it's fun to be in the talks. We got all of those players and we ditched all of our dead weight. Got rid of Al Horford. Thank you, Jesus. I fought. The double center thing was a mistake from the beginning. Now with Curry and Green, we got people who could shoot the basketball again. They'll spread the floor, give Embiid and uh, Simmons a little bit more space. That'll be huge and it's cool to have you know a champion like Dwight Howard on the team. He's a Hall of Famer. I think he'll give the young guys the exper not the experience you know the leadership and I guess the experience. He's going to bring so much to the team off the bench as a player and as a motivational coach tool, whatever you want to call it. So great signings all around. I mean, hey, we even got Justin Anderson back. That's Joe Embiid's B's hype man from the process days. So you got to love that. We're going to have. I think the Sixers are looking forward to playing fun basketball again. We're gonna be able to shoot the 3 pointer. We got Doc Rivers in here now. Let's get let's get some exciting basketball. I want to see a lot of scoring and I really hope, you know, Curry and I, I hope Curry can go off. I would like to see like a free I I could be wrong on this, but I believe that Seth Curry has a better career free point percentage than Steph. I think it's wow. by like one or two percent. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't
0: know off the top of my head.
1: I, I, I think I saw some crazy tweet like that. So, I, you know what I mean? I think it would be really cool to see him kind of give his brother a run for the money in the family. And, you know, as a part of the Sixers, you know. So, I'm excited. I think Sixers basketball, way better. I'm way more excited than I was last year. Because last year, I mean, I mean, I just hated the Al Horford experiment. And thank God that's over with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, you mentioned James Harden, and I'm curious to know, if it came down to having to give up either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid to get, Hor- um, to get Harden, one, would you do it? Two, which of those two players, which one of them would you let go to the Rockets and why?
1: I personally wouldn't make that trade. Just because I think that the Simmons and Embiid, you know, we are are still invested in those guys. There are two remaining stars from the process days. I'd like to see them have pretty long careers with Philly. Now, but I'm not the, you know, executive of basketball operations. If they were to do it, I would say you get rid of Simmons. Simply because, I mean, the guy, you can't shoot. You know, all the talent in the world, we've been waiting for him to shoot for three years. And Really, Joel Embiid is the 76ers. He is the process. He's the hype man in Philly. I, I love what he brings to the table more than I love what Simmons brings to the table because Simmons doesn't always bring it. He can have slow games, he, he gets you the assists and he plays really well. But to have Harden would be a complete player. And that's something that, or a complete offensive player. And that's something that the Sixers haven't had. So. I think if you've got to give up one and you're really set on getting Harden to be your main point scorer, then you give up Ben Simmons because, you know, he, he just can't shoot. He still can't shoot.
0: Very fair. So 76ers got swept by the Celtics. Mm-hmm. And then I love to bring it up, especially to you. It got swept in the playoffs. The Celtics team looks very different now, too. So we lost Gordon Hayward to free agency. He signed with the Charlotte Hornets with for a crazy amount of money. And I don't think he's worth that amount of money. And I think that he might be wasting what he's claiming are, like, still the best years of his career on a team that's nowhere near complete enough to go on a playoff run. I think it's a little silly, but you know, he has that, he has the opportunity to make that decision. Good for him. He got his bag. I don't know how Michael Jordan is really high on him, whatever it may be, but without him, there's, there's definitely a gap. So we, not only did we lose Gordon Hayward, we lost Ennis Cantor, Vincent Poirier, and Brad Wanamaker. And the rest of those names don't sound like that big of a deal, but as much as I didn't want Ennis Cantor to be on the Celtics when it was first announced, he was a huge reason that the Celtics excelled in the playoffs with his offensive and defensive rebounding. But now you insert a guy, Tristan Thompson. This, is, this was a nice pickup for the Celtics, who needed a big man for a very long time. Sure, you have Daniel Tice, but he could potentially move to power forward. And then you have Thompson, who could play the five spot. And he is absolutely incredible at bringing in the rebounds. Last season, he averaged 10 per game with 12 points per game. Over his career, he's averaging almost 10 points per game and almost nine rebounds per game. The guy shoots 51% from the field, over his career and I think that he's he's a an underrated signing I think people look at what happened with Gordon Hayward and think that the Celtics are automatically way worse but the Celtics filled a need with getting Tristan Thompson here's the other thing though Gordon Hayward was good for about 17 to 20 points per game that's another hole that you need to fill Enter Jeff Teague, who is a point guard who is also going to be playing in the place of Kemba Walker while he's recovering from, he had stem cell, a stem cell injection in his knee. So he'll be out until about January, maybe mid-January, not certain how long that recovery time is. But Jeff Teague is a veteran point guard who has that experience and is a reliable shooter, and assist man. So he's good for about six assists per game. Last season, in the short season, he averaged 11 points per game. Over his career, about 13 points per game. He's pretty good from three point range, about 36%, and about 45% from the field. I mean, this is important, especially because of the injury to Walker. But he does bring that veteran presence to a rather young team. We also have new guys like Aaron Naismith and Peyton Pritchard, or Pritchard, I'm not positive how you pronounce it, the new rookies who have apparently been balling out in, in the preseason practices and at, at camp. So maybe Naismith can be that guy that replaces Gordon Hayward off the bench, maybe come in, he's a, known to be a sharpshooter, So I'm hoping that that's true, and I'm thinking that these rookies, at least Naismith, is going to get a lot of time on the court in the early goings of it, especially with Walker out. You know, we'll see what happens, but I like the offseason moves. I'm glad that we got rid of Brad Wanamaker as our backup point guard. He was absolutely atrocious. He was horrible to watch. It was just frustrating every time Brad Stevens put him on the court. Uh, You know, Vincent Poirier only played during garbage time and he got hurt and he did absolutely nothing for the Celtics. Enes Kanter is the only one that, like, shockingly I would miss. And we replaced him tenfold with Tristan Thompson. So all in all, it's a big loss for the Celtics, but we have TPE now to spend, which will either come during the trade deadline, before the trade deadline or next season. And we're not getting nothing for him, like everyone said, for Gordon Hayward leaving. So, again, I'm excited for the season to start. The Celtics have a Christmas game, too, which is exciting. I know the 76ers don't have one this season.
1: That's such a bummer. That is such a bummer. Uh, and I also, I just looked it up just for the fact checkers. Steph uh, Curry's career free point percentage is .443. Steph Curry's is .435. So you tell me who's the better brother. I think the brother a <laughs> <don't> lie. <laughs> but sorry. That Christmas game. Yeah. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Sixers will be back next year. No doubt.
0: I have a not-so-hot take. Christmas basketball, 30,000 times better than NFL Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, that is a – that's a steaming hot take.
0: It's not a hot take. I don't think it's a hot take.
1: I can't agree. Football, Why not? Well, it's probably I'm biased because I do really just like football better than basketball, just as far as sports rankings go. But I mean, they don't they make like Chris, you know, not Christmas specials. We're talking Thanksgiving. They make Thanksgiving specials where the people are watching football. Think of all the Christmas specials and all the Christmas stuff you see. Nobody's ever watched basketball in the movies. Like it's iconic that football and Thanksgiving, they go they go hand in hand like the turkey, like have a turkey. But not everybody watches basketball on Christmas, you know.
0: I sit my butt down and I watch those games. There was, one, there was one year where I, so like for Guy Boston Sports, we all, there was a schedule of who would have what game. And I had the Christmas game and I'm, it was the Sixers against the Celtics. And, you know, I was at a Christmas party. We're drinking all day. And I still manage to sit down, watch the whole game, do a game recap, and have it posted on the site. But I love Christmas basketball. Well, it might be a little bit different because I am Jewish. So (laughs) I am Jewish. So we don't necessarily like, we just go to a family friend's house around like two o'clock every year and just like drink and play drinking games. And we eat a really nice meal. But the thing for me is that the games on, on Thanksgiving are boring. On, yeah. on Christmas Day, you're getting, like, more key matchups. This year we have the Celtics are playing against the Nets. Hopefully Kyrie Irving doesn't wuss out and actually plays. Yeah. But that's a great matchup. You, I, I mean, I don't know the rest of the games off the top of my head, but you have – I think the Lakers-Clippers are playing. I think the Warriors have a game. Uh, I no, mean that-
1: yeah, that that is a great point. That is probably the downside of Thanksgiving football is the fact that it's always the Lions and the Cowboys. That that, yeah, that that's the a games really were good
0: terrible thing. this year. The only game that I was excited for on Thanksgiving was going to be the Ravens Steelers game and we all know that the vid stopped that from happening.
1: The vid. <laughs> yeah, but no, right. Yeah, and that I agree. That was the one I was most looking forward to as well. And I don't know. Maybe you may have you may have gotten me on this one. The NFL should take a lesson from the NBA and make it marquee matchups on Thanksgiving, because Cowboys aren't America's team anymore. So why do we got to keep holding to that? And I mean, does anybody in Detroit really expect to ever win on Thanksgiving? So why shouldn't they mix up the games? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, I I definitely agree. They have to mix it up or. I mean, I'm still gonna watch the games on Thanksgiving because what else am I gonna do?
1: <laughs> <Of course. laughs> what do you gotta do? Talk to your family? Like, no, I'm watching the same thing on Christmas. I'm watching basketball. Like
0: Exactly. <laughs> so speaking of the NFL, we're back with our NFL picks of the week. Best bets.
1: Mm-hmm. You wanna
0: start us off?
1: I sure will. So I am continuing my I think in the last episode of season one, I was saying that I'm trying to take away the stats from my picks. And I'm just going with gut feelings. First gut feeling pick of the day, Cincinnati and Dallas, over 43. Why? The over for the Dallas Ravens game on Tuesday. I think that game was on Tuesday.
0: That game was on Tuesday. We got Tuesday football.
1: You love to see that. <laughs> I could t- Tuesdays
0: are usually a slow sports day. So.
1: Right, one of the worst. Usually it's just college basketball maybe champions league if it's like one of those weeks for soccer but okay so that over under any that over under was 42. thank god we had a game to watch and so i hammered the over on that and it hit handedly the ravens are a great team dallas has a bad defense and there were even four missed field goals in the game and it still it still came through
0: yeah but we got nervous you can't say that it was that it was it hit handily
1: I wasn't nervous. I wasn't I nervous was. at all. I
0: went to sleep <laughs> thinking that we lost that one.
1: I may have. Yeah, I may have shared that. Okay, so we were very nervous. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm going off this gut feeling because this is essentially the same game. We have a team in the AFC North, the Bengals. We have the crappy Cowboys. It's a low number for the over. I think even if these teams are – I know we don't have Joe Burrow for Cincinnati. That's still okay. These are just two bad football teams. I don't think either of them are really going to try hard on defense. I'm going over 43 for my first bet, best bet.
0: That's your best bet of the week?
1: Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. That's not my lock. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, saving a lock for the four o'clock slate.
0: <laughs> All right. Now I'm going similar in that I have an over. I'm thinking Vikings, Bucks over 53. I see this game as being a shootout. Mm hmm. The. I I have some stats. This is, this is, was a gut feeling though, for me, I did look up some stats today, but I told you on Wednesday, I think that Mm -hmm. I liked the over and I put money on the over on Wednesday. So that was a gut gut feeling pick for me, but I do have some stats. The Buccaneers averaged 28.7 points per game for the sixth most in the league, 31.3 points per game over the last three games. And Minnesota is averaging 26.6 points per game, which is 12th most in the league. And they're averaging 27.7 points per game in the last three games. Now, the spread for this is six and a half points. And I was thinking about the Vikings because the Buccaneers have. They just have been underperforming in my mind. They, but I'm staying away from the six and a half point spread. I like the over on this one. I feel like it's going to be a shootout. Tom Brady has his weapons. Minnesota has something in rookie Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. I just see it being a shootout. I see it yeah. being a high scoring game. Dalvin Cook yeah. is uh, is has the most rushing yards this season for uh, any running back. Mm-hmm. So. I like the over here a lot. I'm hammering the over.
1: I yeah. I mean, like we both made that bet on um Wednesday for it. I'll probably bet it again. I completely agree. I mean the over hit last week in the Vikings game against the Jaguars. And the Jaguars are you know, so I think that just keeps rolling a lot of points. I agree. I think that's a is that your best bet of the week? Your lock of the week. No. No. Oh boy. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got?
0: <laughs> I'll save my lock of the week for last.
1: Okay. So I right.
0: also have another over Steelers okay. bills over 48 and a half. This just makes sense to me. Mm. I, again, this was another gut feeling and I have stats as well. But okay. if you look at I'm on TeamRankings.com. you have. So Tampa Bay is ranked six in points per game. And then you have. The Steelers and the Bills both, well, it's at seven and eight, but they both average 27.8 points per game. Now, the Steelers have dropped off a little bit. They only had 21 points per game over their last three games, but Buffalo, on the other hand, 30.3 points per game over the last three games. Josh Allen loves throwing the football. Mm-hmm. He's a big scoring guy he'll probably rush for a touchdown of his own I think James Connor is activated off the COVID list this week which is huge especially if the Steelers have the ball on the one yard line and and they'll finally be able to pound it in I'm like they were they were unable to do so against the Washington football club uh, on Monday night football that was Monday night right
1: yeah yeah that was the five o'clock game on Monday
0: yeah Monday night football we, had, we got spoiled this week. We had two football games on Monday and one on Tuesday. Yeah. But this just is another one that just makes sense that it's going to hit, the, that the over is going to hit, especially since Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers lost that awful game against Washington. Right. They know that they need to score the ball or else they're going to lose, which is obviously how sports work. But <laughs> missed on the one-yard line like five different times. Yeah. You can't yeah, do that. Say. They're not going to do that again. I believe Mike Tomlin is a great coach, and he's going to hammer it into their heads that they need to be able to get the ball over the – break the plane. They need to break the plane.
1: That's – that's Over
0: 48-and-a-half. T- Book it.
1: Terrific analysis. Great number crunching. I was going to take the Steelers as one of my picks, just Moneyline, for a similar reason. I think they bounced back off the Monday night game. And I'll, pro- I'll probably – Make it a parlay. I'll add. They are
0: underdogs. The Steelers. They're giving this laying two points on the Bills.
1: Yeah, I bet you. I could probably get Steelers in the over at like plus two fifth. I have to look at that. I have to dial that up. That's pretty good. I like that. Really good. Really good um, analysis there.
0: All right. What's your second pick?
1: My second pick is my lock of the week. I don't know why I'm making it my lock of the week. I just decided sitting here right now. Because I had all my picks in my head, I, I, I'm not just doing this off the fly. But I didn't know which one I was going to make my lock. Lock of the week: Giants money line plus 120 against Arizona. I don't believe in Kyler Murray. I think he's short. I think he's a fraud. He has Hopkins. They. I don't have. They had a win since the Hail Mary play. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think they have. They're fizzling out. I think they were a hot team at the start of the season. They got the Hail Mary, and I mean they're definitely fun to watch, but. The way the Giants defense just completely surrounded Russell Wilson last week. I had a terrible beat. If I could just go on a short tangent on that. I had Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Aaron Rodgers all the throw for two touchdown passes plus 400. I hammered that. $40, $50. The guy had 40 on it. Robert may have had $10 or something. So we hammer that. We come up one touchdown short, and it's because the Giants' defense literally – I mean, I don't know how many times they got to Russell Wilson. They sacked him so many times. Russell Wilson even had a game-winning drive, or he had the opportunity to have a game-winning drive. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Giants' defense is for real. And also, I don't know if it's Danny Dimes, our quarterback, or if they're going with Colt McCoy, but I think both of those guys have swagger. And, Hmm. you know, they're in the position to win the NFC East. They were like plus 400 a couple weeks ago to win the East. Now all they got to do is win a couple, and it seems like it's there. Washington is tied with them, but I don't think Washington runs the table. I like the Giants in this. Cardinals fizzling out. Giants on the rise. Lock of the week. Take it to the moon.
0: Right on. And speaking of the defense, the Giants' defense, didn't Leonard Williams win NFC Player of the Week? Didn't he have, like, two or three sacks against Russell Wilson?
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I didn't know that he won player of the week, but, yeah, I he had two he or three did, sacks. Yeah. yeah. They were sacking him all day. I mean,
0: Big loss for the Jets. He he, the, he was on the Jets. Oh, no. <laughs> he was on the Jets. He's one that got away. But, you know, people underperform, and then they go to where they're destined to be, and they become their own, like Travis Darno and the Mets. R.I.P.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all
0: right, give your give your last pick, or if you have more, give oh, give, yeah. give it Oh, up. Well,
1: This is just the last pick, it's just a fun play. There's like six games on the four o'clock slot this week, which I think is really cool. So I think it's like ripe for a parlay. Do all kinds of mixes and matches and like the Saints, like the Packers, like the Colts. But out of all of the games at four o'clock, I'm parlaying the Colts and the Packers. I just think the Colts have a great defense. And I was a big Phillip Rivers hater but he's been doing pretty well this season. Maybe he just needed to move away from California to do better. I don't know. He's looking great. Colts are looking great. And the Raiders almost lost to the Jets. I think the Jets gave it to him. You could comment on that, but it seemed like that cornerback kind of – you know, he sort of just let that guy run free on the Hail Mary on the last second play.
0: I mean okay. – I mean – we all know that the defensive coordinator Greg Williams got fired after that. Right. Um, the next day he got fu- he got canned, which was definitely warranted. But but he rushed seven players. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think that in and of itself is a mistake.
1: Right. You
0: that you you know that a hail mary is coming. You push people back. You have protection back down the field. I think it was Lamar Jackson who got burned by Henry Ruggs the third, but you know, say what you want about Jackson. He tried his best. Hewitt, Neville Hewitt was going to change the play call, but he didn't do it. Uh, Mm. The whole thing is very fishy to me. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's very fishy. Of course, did I celebrate the Henry Ruggs touchdown? I was screaming my face off. I was so happy. You don't even understand. You've seen me celebrate things and you've also seen me almost crying when the Mets lost in the World Series. But this was unlike anything. I was, me and my dad were just jumping for joy because the tank for Trevor is still on. And it was something to behold.
1: He's going to stay at Clemson. but uh, not
0: staying at Clemson. He can't risk the injury.
1: Packers, Colts, plus 106. Parlay it. Take it to the moon. It's a lock.
0: (laughs) All right, my lock of the week is the Browns plus two against the Ravens at plus 115. All right. I like this underdog play a lot. Baker Mayfield looks really, really good right now. He threw four touchdowns in the first half against the then-leading AFC South Tennessee Titans. He threw for a season-high 334 yards. They were blowing him out, and Tennessee isn't a joke. No. And so offensively, they were really hot. Jarvis Landry is back and he's been playing great football. But you also have to think defensively what the team did. Obviously, they gave up more points in the second half, but they held one of the leading rushers in Derrick Henry to only 60 yards on 15 attempts and no touchdowns. Wow. That's a that's a stat that's, for you.
1: That is, yeah. That's I think that
0: the Ravens, I mean, you have Lamar Jackson. They didn't play that great against the Cowboys. Lamar Jackson, I mean, he rushed for a touchdown. He had some good running plays. He threw for a touchdown. I think that was an odds boost on Fox bets, right? I told you no. not to take it.
1: Yeah, I did take it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you, you shouldn't always listen to me. But I really like the Browns' as underdogs against the Ravens. They're They're on a winning streak. They're actually a good football team. Yeah. Miles Garrett defensively, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper on offense. I like it. And that's my lock.
1: Wow. That's Michael a bold Rob, lock.
0: Kareem Hunt.
1: That's a really bold lock. Yeah. I, yeah. I love it. I hope it hits for you. I'm going to stay away from that game because it just I, – I can't trust either of those teams. I don't know. Me personally, I just – I hope – I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope <laughs> your lock comes through. That's all I'll say about it.
0: <laughs> now, I also know – so if you like those three picks that I put in a lot, you can parlay them. Parlay all three of them together, plus six ninety seven on DraftKings.
1: Oh, you love to see it. Basically, seven to one odds. Could be worth a five spot.
0: Could be worth a fiver. Yeah, I mean, if you like the picks, if you feel confident, I think I'll throw a couple bucks on that. I love these
1: picks. I really like it, too. I like your picks, too. I love the Steelers overplay. I think that's smart. And yeah, we got two great overs and the Browns. Why not? It's their year. It's 2020. Anything could happen. Browns are good. Sure. You know, (laughs) totally.
0: Well, Andrew, it's that time again where we come to a close. You have anything else for the fans this week?
1: Not this week. I can't wait. I hope we can do this again next week because we're going to be looking at a Notre Dame Clemson ACC championship matchup, which will have huge college football playoff implications and i'd be very excited to talk about that so hopefully we can get back on before next saturday
0: we will definitely get back on we'll have more episodes coming out in the next season hopefully once a week we'll try our best we are busy people but Mm -hmm. we love we love doing this so that's all we have thank you so much for everyone listening as always, this podcast is brought to you by Guy Boston Sports and Guy New York Sports. Follow us on Twitter at City John and at Samara Rose 31. Let us know what you want to hear on the show, if you want to be on the show, if you want to write for Guy New York Sports. We are looking for New York sports writers. Please feel free to reach out to us. And yeah, we'll see you back here next week. It's yeah.